Hi guys, this is Matt, the producer of the Investor Mindset Podcast. And today I've got something new for you in the best of series. We'll be sharing the best clips from the best interviews that we've had on the Investor Mindset show thus far. So let's kick things off with Chris Voss and learn how you can become a master negotiator. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal, and I look forward to seeing you on the inside. When I'm sitting down with a homeowner or I'm sitting down with a realtor or an investor or somebody in between, and they're telling me that they don't have the power to make the decision, that there's all these other important people that are up the chain, that that could be an indication that they're actually the decision maker and they're just trying to pass the buck so they have a little bit more power. Is there any other uh, correlations that you think we want to point out for the listeners? Yeah, well, the flip side, a person at the table, the more important they make themselves, then the, conversely, the re- less powerful they are. Mm. It's the exact same dynamic in, in reverse. You know, you, you, gotta, you got somebody at the table who's really in love with singular personal pronouns. You know, the I, me, my, I want this, my view. Boy, the more they use those singular pronouns, the less inf- influence they have. So that's kind of a two-way street. If they're in love with plural pronouns, we, they, them, us, they're important. If they're in love with singular, I, me, my, you know, that they're not that important. They're a good source of information. They're just not that important. They're almost trying to bring it back out of themselves to boost up their importance, boost up their worth versus the people who already have it don't need to. And they're actually trying to pull away because they know that that could hurt them in the negotiation. It's exactly right. That's exactly right. The guy's got no influence on the other side. You know, it makes him feel important to pretend like he's got all that influence. Like being at a bar and a bartender's first night and you ask him if they got, you know, some kind of bourbon. And he says, well, I don't stock bourbon in my bar. And it's his first night and he doesn't own a bar and he might not be there in, in a month, you know. <laughs> got to make himself look important. Oh, I love that. Well, I can see so many practical applications and I hope everyone runs out and gets never split the difference. And I want to let people know that that Chris has offered a never split the difference study guide that you guys will be able to sign up for. We'll have a link in the show notes and we'll let you know at the very end how to get that um, when you get on the newsletter list, of course, uh, and get some of these strategies on a regular basis. But Chris, tell me if I'm a new negotiator or maybe I've been studying the getting to yes, or I've been going down this path of learning negotiation, I think, man, I want to apply some of this stuff, um, but I'm stuck in some old ways. What would be your recommendation of some of the strategies to start with, to start practicing and adding to your tool belt? And I know some of them include labeling, tactical empathy, you know, mirroring, and there's so many others, but which ones to you seem like these are the ones you need to add to your tool belt first, second, and third? 
Yeah, well, you know, first of all, be willing to slow down just a little bit. And, you know, paraphrasing is real simple. Somebody, somebody's talking to you, just, you know, before you ever want to make your point, try to paraphrase back to them a little bit. You know, make them feel heard. Make them feel understood. You know, paraphrase is not agreement. It's not disagreement. It's just like, all right, so you got good reasons for this. And those reasons are, and repeat back what they've been saying. And then be willing to go silent a little bit, you know, be willing to live with something. We used to call it effective pauses. Now, actually, we refer to it as dynamic silence because it's so powerful. So mm-hmm. make people feel heard, you know, let them fill in the silence, you know, keep quiet. And you're going to be surprised how many deals will make themselves. You don't have to do anything. Just see if you can get the deal to make itself. So for all the listeners out there, that just means shut up for a second, <laughs> let a little bit of space happen and uh, let people know that, that you're hearing them out. Yeah, exactly. So after, after you've gotten good at allowing some space to be there, you've gotten comfortable with the silence. You don't have to fill it in. Uh, I know that I even get caught up in a podcast interview, getting ready to make sure to fill that silence. But let's say I've, I've mastered that skill. What do I want to add on next? And how do you recommend doing that? Well, you know, uh, the next great thing, if somebody's really been hurt out and, and the deal hasn't come to you, you know, great way to get things going again and probably a very positive way. And, you know, we live in a, we live in a Las Vegas world. We don't live in an ivory tower world. You know, the ivory tower world needs stuff that's perfect. You know, the Las Vegas world just needs stuff that works more than half the time. You know, there are a lot of casinos built in Vegas on a 51% success rate. You know, you just, you just have to get over more than half. Wow, that's great. And, and far higher than more than half. You know, really more about a three-quarter success rate is after you've heard somebody out say, what do you want to do next? How, how, how can we move forward effectively? They're going to throw something out that you're going to love enough of the time that if it was a gambling system that you'd own Vegas, you know, Steve Wynn would be your assistant. <laughs> so understand nothing is perfect. What you need is the best chance of success. Mm-hmm. And somewhere north of 70, 75%, which is enough to be quite wealthy, to say, you know, what are the next steps? How do you want to proceed? It's very deferential. The other side, what you've done is you put, you're shoving someone forward with that. Mm-hmm. You're cutting them off from backtracking. You're cutting them off from sidetracking. Actually, what are the next steps? How do you want to proceed? You've just boxed them in and forced them to move forward. Now, they don't feel that, especially if you say it deferentially. They think it's their idea to figure out some next steps. The deal isn't going to happen unless you figure out next steps anyway. Mm-hmm. So see if they can figure out some good ones for you. It's a really effective way to move forward and save time because the whole issue here is a well managed negotiation process actually saves a lot of time. Getting them just to come up with the steps on their own. Yeah. Yeah. It's because, you know, most people talk about stuff without even thinking about what the next steps are. As soon as next steps are one of the principal things in your mind, 
you're going to start accelerating your success and you get next steps collaboratively and, and, and the best way to get them from the other side in a way that they'll remember what they are is if they think they thought them, you know, mm-hmm. if you say, what are the next steps? How do you want to proceed? That doesn't mean you have to agree to whatever they throw out mm-hmm. and be prepared to say, ah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Mm-hmm. But it, it does give them the opportunity to throw something out that you're, you'll like. One of, the, one of the ways of negotiation is described. It's the art of letting the other side have your way. Mm. And that's the way you do it. You know, what are the next steps? How do you want to proceed? That is some really powerful stuff. And I hope all you guys are taking notes over here. And if you're not, I encourage you to re-listen to this with a pen and paper in hand, because this is stuff you can directly apply. It's going to make a difference in your business. I know I've bought, you know, hundreds of houses because of some of these strategies and how effectively they work. Um, So one thing I'm really curious about, Chris, rapport seems to be such a big conversation in sales and negotiation. How do we go about building better rapport with people that maybe we don't even have that much in common with? Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's what people, that's the big issue. Um, common ground. Is it is it necessary? Is it useful? Um, people love common ground because they both feel fantastic. Oh, you know, we're in a negotiation training that we ran a, a couple of months ago, and two people discovered they both had the same name for their dog. And they're like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. They talked about it. They f- and, but they didn't get anything done. Mm. You know, so your dogs could have the same name. Your, your kids could be in Little League together. You could be from the same state. That isn't going to make your deal. And just because you're from the same, same state from somebody, does that mean you're going to give in on a point that you shouldn't give in on? I mean, mm. common ground is, is really kind of a tricky area that feels great, but isn't actually useful. So instead, you know, what people want is to be understood. That, that's the whole idea. Common ground is like, hopefully, if we got common ground, you're going to understand me. What would happen if I could understand you without being from your hometown, without being from mm. your state, without our kids playing ball together, without us having the same name for our dogs? You know, that, that was where hostage negotiators came from initially. That's had massive amounts of influence with no common ground whatsoever. Yeah. So if if you get rid of common ground as an idea and just grasp how powerful it is to understand the other side, they feel common ground. Well, it's because like a lot of the times I'm, we're not going to have common ground with people. We're just not. We're in different worlds. Maybe we're doing different things. We've got different goals and aspirations. Maybe one person over here is big into personal development. They're studying Chris Voss. They're learning to be a great negotiator. The other person is just trying to get food on the table or try to get to their next the next thing they've got going. And so sometimes that can be difficult to find. Um, but how do, we, how do we go about trying to get people to feel understood? And how can we actually, you know, you know build that rapport without needing that common ground to, to stand on? Yeah, because the feeling of understood then definitely not just leads to rapport, but it re- leads to trust and, and trust-based influence. That's, mm. that's the most durable kind of influence they want. And as you want somebody to feel understood, start repeating back to them what they've said. Mm-hmm. Look, let me, let me just make sure I got this right. Here, here are your reasons for this. You know, it seems like it sounds like it looks like mm-hmm. this is where you're coming from. And especially include if you sense in any way, shape or form 
or even would guess that there's some sort of negativity involved, then you simply don't deny that negativity, you know, express it, express uh, an understanding and appreciation that it's there. It's like the proverbial elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is, is misconceptions, it's prejudices, it's preconceived notions, it's distrust. Well, nobody ever made the elephant in the room go away by either ignoring it or by denying it was there. Mm -hmm. People deal with the elephant in the room by pointing it out. Mm. And, and, and then, then, you know, you say, yeah, there's an elephant in the room, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. Anything you, if you want to say the word, but that's the perfect time to shut the front door. That's a perfect time <laughs> to stop talking. The words, but, or, and should trigger an alarm bell in your brain that should automatically close the front gate, close your jaws, get you to stop talking. That's the perfect time to use dynamic silence. When you feel the word but or and coming out of your mouth, then that should be an actually an early warning system that it's time to stop right where you are and let what you just said sink in. So pretty much <laughs> never say the word, but because it's going to really, it's going to be an anchor. It's going to hold you back instead of moving you guys forward together. But um, a bad word. Uh, you know, my son, Brandon, who I believe has been a guest on your show. He sure you know, has. One of his favorite uh, phrases is nobody wants you to put your butt in their face. <laughs> doesn't develop rapport. Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. Um, so these are some, these are some amazing strategies. And I feel like, I hope that the listeners, I hope that you guys are really seeing how this stuff can really make a difference in more than just your business life, because yes, it's going to help us get more deals or it's going to help us build that relationship with these different clients or these different people, but it's going to help us in our personal life. Because think about if you took away the word, but from the, your relationship with your husband or wife, it's going to end up creating an environment where they really feel heard and listened to understood. I mean, that's what every husband or wife I would assume wants. I know that's what every wife that I've ever talked to wants. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got to tell you something, you can't have a great relationship without understanding the other side it just can't happen. And the important people in your life deserve that, you know, they deserve to be understood. And so consequently you got opportunities to develop these skills every day. You know, in the morning, at lunch, at night. And these are the perfect times to get good at hearing people out because the more you do it, you know, the more you, you build your abilities to do it well. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.